Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, September 21st edition of the Basement Academy. Let's dive on into our morning psalm. It's Psalm 81, another psalm of Asaph, as we read yesterday with Psalm 80. Uh, an important psalm, I think, for us to have in our praying repertoire routine. So again, advocating the daily prayer of the psalms. Um, if you'd like, uh, back at the beginning of this year, went through a pretty extended study on the Basement Academy uh, of um, learning to pray these psalms, a rule uh, of prayer, a rule for prayer, kind of a pattern, a, a rhythm, and so talked about learning to pray the psalms. So let me invite you to re-listen or re-watch those studies uh, if uh, you uh, missed them or have forgotten what we talked about. Psalm 81. Sing for joy to God our strength, shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music, strike the tambourine, play the melodious harp and lyre. Sound the ram's horn at the new moon, and when the moon is full, on the day of our feast. This is a decree for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. He established it as a statute for Joseph when he went out against Egypt, where we heard a language we did not understand. He says, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. In your distress, you called and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will warn you. If you would but listen to me, O Israel, you shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not bow down to an alien God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. Mm. Psalm 81. It's a call to worship, but it's a remembrance of God setting them free uh, removing the burden from the shoulders, setting their hands free from the basket, their deliverance, God's deliverance from Egyptian slavery, leading them out in the mighty Exodus, speaking and answering from the thundercloud. So this, this God uh, who, who speaks and guided them with the cloud and the, and the pillar. But then there is this kind of sad reminder of their stubborn hearts not listening. Don't bow down to an alien God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, that, that uh, introduction to the Ten Commandments. And so listen to me. Do what I say. Follow me, God says. And of course, sadly, the people didn't. God called them to go take the promised land. Uh, the people didn't believe that God could deliver them. They refused to go up and take the land. They were stubborn. And so God gave them over and said, okay, have it your way. <laughs> I think it was Lewis, uh, C.S. Lewis, who said there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. 
and those to whom God says, thy will be done. You want to be among the people who say, God, your will be done in my life on earth. We do not want to have the stubborn heart. We re- the, the reason we need this psalm is to pray and acknowledge, God, too often my ears are closed, my heart is hard and stubborn to what you would have me do. And so Psalm 81, I think it's important as we turn to continue the topic, if it's not critical race theory, if that's not the way we should think about addressing racial injustice and division in our world and in our society in particular, then what is it? And so I've been coming at this from a lot of different directions, particularly talking about living as strangers and exiles in our own land, in our own country, as Christians, we live apart from the culture in some ways, in some reasons, for the purpose of protecting and preserving the culture. We need to keep ourselves free from those uh, sinful desires that wage war against our soul, as First Peter reminded us in First Peter 2. But we abstain, we withdraw so that we may engage so that we may engage with purpose, with intent, with integrity, with humility, with compassion, but with holiness, with a distinctiveness to our lives that we live differently than the world around us. So we live in this tension of of, uh, living set apart lives, set apart from the culture, yet engaging the culture. So as we think about engaging the reality of race and racial division and discrimination in our society, as critical race theories calling for, we share that concern. We just don't share that model. We don't share uh, those beliefs of critical race theory. So first, let me just say the way to seek the peace of the city and pray to the Lord for it. That's what Jeremiah 29 said. That's That's where we landed yesterday as exiles in Babylon, as it were. God calls them to seek the peace of this city, seek its prosperity, Pray to the Lord for it. If it prospers, you too will prosper. And so memorize that verse. That's the most simple thing you can do. One of the the, the easiest ways to, to begin leaning towards this call is to memorize the word. Let the word settle into your heart. And as you reflect on that, it'll be something you think about actively doing. As a Christian, I seek the peace of this city of this community, of this state, of this nation. I want it to prosper. And so now, wrestling through that over time, uh, of course, is is a very patient work. With respect to race and discrimination, I think one simple thing we can do that leans us toward seeking the peace and prosperity and praying to the Lord for our community is to learn some new episode in the tragic history of America's problem with race, okay? Um, It might be learning more about Juneteenth, uh, June 19th, 1865. I think it was Texas when the word finally got general order. I forget. It was some general order that, that was issued to inform those who had been enslaved that they are free. And it took until 1865 even after Lincoln had been shot, right? The war was over, Lincoln had been shot, and before that word gets uh, out to Texas. Um, So learn more about that experience. Uh, Learn about the Tulsa uh, race massacre. Uh, End of May, early June, 1921. 
that's almost in the lifetime of some people in our church. I mean, that somebody has to be 100 years old, okay? Carolyn Faith is 100 years old today, okay? So it almost happened in her lifetime. But it happened in the lifetime of our, our, our parents and grandparents, right? Some of us. And so it's not ancient history. This thing happened. Learn, uh, so that was 1921. Read about the Tulsa race riot and, and just the, the, the despicable actions that took place against uh, the, the black community there. Um, learn about the history of lynchings. And so there, there's no shortage of opportunities. Just Google lessons white people should learn about race in America or something like that. And just read. Just, just, just become familiar with things that might not be in the textbooks. And it's been a while since a few of us were in the textbooks, right? Uh, third, <clears throat> learn to speak ill of no person. Speak ill of no person. Somebody, you may disagree with their politics. You may disagree with the opinions they, they express. You may uh, disagree with the views they hold on critical race theory, as certainly I do with some folks that are Presbytery. But speak no ill of them, for they are an image bearer. They, 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 um, they're trying to get after something that's deep and important to them, the same way you get after things that are deep and important to you. So, so use your voice. First of all, do not speak ill of others. You can acknowledge where there's disagreement. You may acknowledge that you strongly disagree with somebody, but recognize they are a person made in God's image. And so you, we want to, to, to live in a certain kind of way with them. So speak no ill, but then learn to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. The degree to which we might have voice or you might have voice in some, uh, in your family or in a work setting or some volunteer setting or in church conversations. Speak up as you learn some history. Maybe share some of that with, hey, I don't, have you ever read about this situation? I watched this video on the black church, this PBS video on the black church. And share, speak up on behalf of those who, who perhaps don't share the same uh, measure of, of voice and, and credibility in the community in which you live. And so use your voice. Seeking the peace and prosperity of the city, praying to the Lord for it. Use your voice to, to speak that you care about these things that you care about the well-being of God's image bearers. And don't be afraid to use that language. This is where our voice can be used for witness, okay? Honor all people as the image bearers of God. Now, this sounds like what I just said, but in your daily interactions, honor everybody. Family members, Co-workers, neighbors, strangers, uh, the checkout person at Wegmans, <laughs> um, where you hear social media, uh, have occasion to interact with that, listening to the news, if you watch news on television. Honor all people. Conduct yourself with integrity. Um, be humble. Live um, as a person who who 
openly wishes to follow Jesus Christ, who wishes to be known as a person marked by love, all men will know you are my disciples by the love you have one for another. As you've done it to the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me. There's this language uh, that we have in Scripture of caring for the poor, for the, the widow, for the orphan, for the stranger in your midst, what we call the quartet of the vulnerable. We do that because they bear the image of God as we do. But they do not share the world's goods or resources or privileges or opportunities, perhaps in the same way that, that, that you and, and I might. And so we, we, we live with honor towards uh, all people. If you hear of a situation where somebody's being um, unkind or cruel or speaking in such a manner that you, you know not to be characteristic of God's plan and purposes, then take the risk of speaking up. So be humble, um, live with integrity, move towards some need. So we've talked a lot about arena one, arena two, and arena three. We live in arena one and two. Arena three is harder for us to get at. We're going to talk about that. What are some action steps to seek the peace of the city we can do in arena three in the societal level? But, but for most of us, it's going to be arena one, the very local, personal, and then arena two, where we have opportunity to partner with others, for instance, at Greenwich, and to move towards some need together. So arena one, arena two, move towards need, uh, work with humility and, and compassion and kindness and integrity, and to sacrifice time and resource and energy and, and attention in your life to, to move in that direction. Okay, these are some very simple, they're more like character-based ways of thinking about seeking the peace uh, of the city and praying to the Lord for it, okay? But then pray, okay? So these are kind of character-related issues, but pray. Pray for eyes to see injustice and discrimination in a new way. Pray that God would keep you from knee-jerk reactions when issues of, of race or discrimination or the critical race theory discussion comes up. Pray for the, the humility and the sensitivity to listen to that conversation, to listen to the person that may be uh, speaking uh, the, 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 the need of someone else. Pray for sensitivity to real suffering of other people. Because most of us at Greenwich live in the context where we're not daily in touch with a lot of need. I mean, there's need, but our need may be medical needs. There may be some minor financial needs that we run into. Uh, there may be some relational needs where, you know, friends of ours or ourselves know, you know, some situation of brokenness with a child. Move towards those needs too, but I'm talking about paying attention to the need of poverty, the need of discrimination, the need of feeling cut off from opportunity. Uh, we advocate for equal opportunity for all, but, but maybe that people are denied opportunities. And so move towards those needs. Pray for sensitivity uh, to those needs and the suffering of others. And pray for the courage to speak up. I, I said one of the things we can do is speak up, but most of us don't. Most of us 
spend our time talking to like-minded individuals about situations in the world, but we don't, we don't break out of those silos very often and, and engage in some other community where we can be an advocate for and support for. And so we've done this a little bit, we could say with the Afghan refugee ministry, but most of us don't know, most of us at Greenwich don't know these families. I know a few of the families, but, but not well, I'll be honest about that. But our team has come alongside them in, in wonderful ways, but we wanna speak up on behalf of, of their needs. And so pray for courage. Because in our society, when you speak up on behalf of somebody, usually somebody's gonna take a swing at you. And sometimes, it, not physically, though sadly sometimes that happens too, but, but folks will, will, will question you. They will, they will complain to you. Sometimes this happens within the Christian church and perhaps sometimes even at Greenwich. You know, speaking up on behalf of racial discrimination and, uh, you know, with concern for discrimination and, and violence and, and injustice. I could imagine there would be people who think Pastor Meeks has gone soft, gone liberal, because those are things liberals care about. No, these are things Christians care about, especially those who are seeking the peace and prosperity of the city. If it prospers, you too will prosper. So the degree to which my neighbor prospers, that's going to prosper me. The degree to which a person of color who's been excluded from opportunity has opportunity for work and for service and for contribution, that's going to benefit me as well. The more people who work, the more people who labor, the more people who build, the more people who engage in economic activity and productive activity, the more people that we can encourage to, to enter uh, the, the community uh, of, of, of service and, and work. Uh, and participation, that's going to benefit us all. We want strong communities. We want strong relationships, you know, from local schools to, um, you know, the little leagues and, you know, youth sports and, and, and community organizations. We want all of these things to be strong. Absolutely. We want strong communities. And so let, let's pray for the courage to speak up. And then let us pray for those who have influence and those who have been entrusted with some measure of authority, be it at the uh, town council, county supervisor, state legislature, or uh, the state house, the governor's uh, 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 mansion, as it were, um, uh, U.S. representatives and senators, our president and cabinet. I don't care who you voted for. We are called to pray. Our scriptures guide us to pray for all in authority that we may live peaceful lives, that they may exercise their influence and their authority wisely in accordance with God's purposes. Pray for the wisdom um, to know how to engage those with influence and authority to the degree that you may disagree with. You know, pray for accountability for our public uh, servants and officials. And so, Scripture calls us and guides us to pray for those in authority. Jeremiah's letter, though we are not exiles in Babylon, I think there is guidance that we can find here that we do well to pray 
for the prosperity of our communities, of our state, and our nation. And these are not partisan prayers we're offering. It, it is essential to understand this. The degree to which you would find yourself unwilling to pray for the prosperity of somebody of the other party that you didn't vote for and you might not support, the degree to which you as a Christian would refuse to pray for that person or that um, uh, that legislature or that legislator and pray for their well-being and their health and their wisdom, if you will not pray for someone in authority, the problem is not with that person. The problem is with you because now you have a stubborn heart because God clearly says through the Apostle Paul in Timothy's letter, pray for all who are in authority. And so we pray and not snarky, snide prayers like, you know, I, I see sometimes, I think it's Psalm 109, you know, prays, may another take his place of leadership. And I see that sometimes applied on bumper sticker uh, you know, to pray for our president, according to Psalm 109, that another would take his place of leadership. It, that's, that's foolish, okay? We, we want, we, we want um, our, our public servants to prosper. Now, I'm not saying we're going to agree with them all, right? I don't agree with them all. You don't agree with them all. I don't care who you voted for, <clears throat> And so this is the tension. This is the challenge. We are to live distinct from the culture, but we're to seek the peace of the culture. We're to, to pray to be kept from uh, the world's ways, and yet we're to pray for uh, this city. Babylon, in Jeremiah's context, in, in our context, it would be our local communities and then our, our nation. Even when our government is doing things that you might not agree with and support, pray all the harder, right? Okay. So these are just some simple, they, they, don't, they don't feel like a whole lot. And so I, I finished with a question, why does all this seem so inadequate? As, as I wrote this list, I said, this isn't going to bring about much change, is it? This isn't going to bring about a just society. Well, if a bunch of us started to live this way, it, it certainly wouldn't hurt, right? I mean, just do a little thought exercise. Imagine if all the Christians you know at Greenwich and in your community and your former churches and other places where you have had association with believers, imagine if all the Christians just that you know, you know, which is probably in the hundreds probably that, that, that you know, if they were to just for, let's say, a one-year experiment to memorize uh, the, uh, the, the, the scripture verse from Jeremiah 29, to become a student of American history, particularly around race relationships between whites and blacks. We, could, we can expand that, obviously, into uh, relate racial relationships in other areas as well. But what if you, you became a student of that to sensitize your heart and, and to understand the history of suffering that other people have that you might not have experienced. Imagine if more people did that. Imagine if, if no one that you know as a Christian spoke ill of others. And imagine if all those Christians you know spoke up on behalf of those who, who had no voice to speak for themselves, okay, the vulnerable, the downtrodden. Imagine if everybody you knew honored every image bearer of God, every human being. Imagine if everybody you knew lived with humility and integrity and compassion and, and was more concerned about meeting real needs than scoring political points or whatever. Imagine if everybody you knew prayed this kind of way. 
Could that possibly hurt our society? Could it possibly hurt our churches <laughs> for us to live this way? And yet, all of this seems inadequate. That's, that's where I want to kind of end. I want to land there today and then pick up tomorrow and kind of noodle on that a little bit, kind of think out loud. Why does character and integrity and humility and uh, a proper courageous and wise speech and why does prayer still seem like it's not going to change a whole lot in our society? There's more we need to do. And so I want to think, what is the more and, and, and where's God in, in, in all of this? So, so let's close here. A um, few thoughts to think about today. Uh, hopefully you'll take me up on one or more of these and um, hopefully you're, you'll, you'll sense a, a, a change in your life uh, almost immediately and the affirmation of God uh, around your commitment in this way. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for this great nation where you've placed us. We thank you for our citizenship in the United States of America. We thank you for our citizenship in the, the commonwealth of, of heaven. Help us to live faithfully as exiles, as strangers, as foreigners, even in this land that we call home. And help us to, to pray and to speak and to honor and to bless and have courage in, in ways that, that stretch us and help us to grow uh, in our ability to care for the city, to care for the people and the communities uh, to which you have, in which you've placed us. Father, it, it does seem so, such a tall task. And so we thank you for that wonderful uh, language in Ephesians that you are able to accomplish all, more than we could ever ask, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And so do that. Help us at Greenwich to grow and give us a new work to do uh, to help alleviate some aspect of injustice uh, in our uh, little arena of the world uh, where you've placed us. And so, Lord, hear our prayers. We make it in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God grant you a heart that longs for justice and peace and, and humility and, and the unity of all things. May God grant you that heart this day and forevermore. Amen.